One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the GAA Hour with Dear Midling on Sports Joe. Hello, you're very welcome to The Hurling Show and Sports Joe. I'm delighted to be joined this week to look over the championship action by Derek Honan, who's coming in from the south of Clare, and Waterford's Kevin Morn. Uh, I'm a little bit of a Billy Nomates this week. Derek, I'm hoping to get you up in here beside me at some stage. Uh, welcome, and the great Kevin Morn, Mr. Consistency. Um, Kevin, I haven't gotten much of a chance to get a hold of you and get a, get on the inside of what produced 10, 12, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years of of what can I, I can only describe as yeah an incredible consistent uh, performance for for Waterford. So it's um, yeah it's lovely to have you. Um, I suppose starting starting um, I starting in in Clare. I suppose Derek like good weekend. Um, we yeah. had very different weekends. I think myself and, and Kevin, but you were you were you were in you were in behind the forces. Yeah, great uh, great weekend and uh, for Clare. Um, you know how where we were at after last weekend with Tipperary kind of maybe was a bit up in the air because no one knew. I suppose people assumed that Tipperary weren't playing great stuff, but for Clare to be able to back it up um, against Cork, you know, was huge for them. And um, just down down in Turles, uh, you could kind of sense um, I was down all rounds before the before the game, and you could kind of sense that the Clare supporters. Uh, were expecting a, a big performance and, and the lads delivered in fairness. So um unfortunately I didn't get out I didn't get out to enjoy uh, the Bank Holiday Sunday after, but I know uh Ennis would have been rocking last night. <coughs> yeah, no doubt. Well I think Kevin made the most of his weekend. Kevin, what were you up to? Yeah, I was on a quiet stag over the weekend, a bit of sightseeing and that in Liverpool. It sounds so, uh, it sounds like it was a quiet stag, all right. You can hear the rasp of a bank holiday weekend. Um <laughs> a lot of culture over there, Kevin, in that city. Culture, yeah, very cultural city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you got you got you got to you got you caught the Galway Kilkenny game, Kevin. We, yeah. o- over there or did you watch it from here? I watched it from here, yeah. Um yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, very good game. Uh you know, huge amount of tackling and, and good hits, and um, yeah, I found it one of the best games of the championship so far. Now, really, mm. really enjoyed watching it. Um, 
it was uh, it was intense to say the least. But um, I think Galway came out, you know, deserved to come out in the end with the win. But um, a, a real really enjoyable game. Two good teams, and um, she looked they'll probably meet again if not in the Leinster final, maybe or even in the quarter or semi final. Who knows? But they'll um, t- yeah, really enjoyed watching them. I mean, as intense as intense as I mean, Limerick have obviously upped the intensity of the game in general. Uh, Galway are certainly not far behind at the moment, and Kilkenny are always uh, always carried that intensity. But unquestionably, the most intense moment of the day was probably after the game uh, between Brian Cody and Henry Shefflin. I don't know what your I certainly had a few ideas on it, but I don't know what your uh, Derek for you did you did you catch the the kind of slowed down replay of it? What was your what was your sense of it? Was it as Cody said afterwards that it was just not not much? There was a handshake in it, and he was upset after losing the game, maybe, and on Kilkenny go, or was there was there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, like I thought it was this very strange moment. Um, uh, just watching back on and seeing the, t- the talk on Twitter and that uh, it looked strange, but then that's not to say it was strange. It just appears strange in the video. Um, there's probably, you know, like Cody said, I'm sure he was very upset, and I'd say they were upset with that last um, decision that uh, that gave the free to Galway just because it was so crucial. Um, so. I sort of, in reading into the handshake, you, you could go down north, all sorts of rabbit holes there. Um, and I'm not sure if there's anything there, but, um, you know, it might be the case. It might be really? the case. Really? Ke- yeah. yeah. Kevin, what yeah, was your take case. on it? No, no, all good. I mean, you could read into it. I'm like, Jeannie Mac, I don't know. Is it, is yeah. it impossible not to like? What was your take, Kev? Yeah, look, it's impossible not to read into it. Look, you, you could go, you could talk about what you know different things. Look, we don't know the relationship they had. It was a contentious decision at the end of the match. Um, obviously, Brian would have been annoyed and and things. But um, actually, look, it has everyone talking as well. It's you know you need these kind of things in games and things like that. But there's definitely something small to it. But look, who knows? I, I'm sure we're not going to find out exactly what what it was. But um, yeah, yeah, there was a, a definitely a, an extra long. A handshake and a pause and I don't think there was anything said but Henry to me kind of looked a bit amused by the whole thing but um, really okay yeah I, I, I don't know like I, I think I, I suppose maybe I would yeah maybe with the tendency is to read too much into it I'm not sure but like there's obviously it seemed clear to me anyway that there was a, like an obvious hostility and so I want to know what the source of that hostility is and I think if you go back over Brian Cody's tenure as manager and the values that he holds about hurling and hurling in particular, not like the management circuit or, you know, like that this idea of like he's managing Kilkenny and it's a privilege to manage Kilkenny and there's no expenses and there's no this, it's just this what he does and this is how he sees the game. And I, I can imagine a kind of a hostility towards a Davy Fitzgerald who's managed, you know, in different counties or whatever. That's what I would be kind of working off as his general understanding in the first place. For Henry Shefflin to be going to Galway as his, like he was... Cody's general like he and he became King Henry outside that but he was Cody's general and now he's taking all the things he knows about all of those players and he's gone up to a Galway dressing room and he is in the business now of winning and it's in the business of winning that he is uh, and he's going to is he going to hold those secrets or is he going to use those secrets and say right this is what he does in this situation this is what he does in this situation and as that kind of that like almost like a, it's like it's almost Shakespearean like as as his general turning against him and giving away all the secrets like when you see the thing as simply I think as 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 Brian and as purely as Brian Cody sees it uh, 
I thought there was a huge amount uh, on in that handshake, and and there was comparisons made. I saw I was reading online as well about Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane. Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy both very strong men, but the two of them went up to each other, a half nut in handshake, and walked away from each other without really looking each other in the eye. Whereas Cody, like Cody, leaned in and said, "I'm here. I'm standing in this handshake, and I'm not backing down from it." And then Henry kind of went to go, and Cody held on to him and went back for more. And I thought Jefflin was gutted by it; like he just seemed to be, like Cody looked into his soul, like. So I, I, yeah, I definitely feel like I've gone a little bit too far on it compared to where, where you boys maybe are at. But there was a yeah. huge subtext in it. I mean, Jeannie Mac, you couldn't avoid. That's a serious uh, situation in like Kilkenny, where Henry Shefflin is. Should he have gone in with Cody? Now he's with Galway. There are people possibly who are like hostile to the idea that he would be selling the secrets somewhere else. That's that's how that's how I would see it. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, Jeremy. I just think um, you know. It's hard to say for sure, but like there's def- it's not really the done thing in, in Kilkenny for um, Kilkenny managers to go and manage other rival counties. You know, obviously Eddie Brennan has, has managed against Kilkenny as well, but there probably wasn't as much of a chance of them being beaten by Leash. Um, but like I suppose that does play into it where there isn't that there isn't that culture of um, players going, former players going and managing other other um, other counties, and they probably want to keep you know all the talent in Kilkenny when they can, but. The thing about Henry is, you know, he's he's plied his trade with with Ballyhale. He's done an exceptional job there, and and there's no doubt that he's very ambitious. And I'm sure he'd have ambitions to manage Kilkenny down the line. But um, there's obviously a man in place at the moment, so he had to go elsewhere to get his experience. And I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily for Kilkenny in the long term either. If if a player like or if a manager like Henry can go and get experience. In, in the likes of Galway and come back then with that down the line and, and use that knowledge and um, but yeah Matt, yeah. Our, Matt our producer made the very same point outside and there's one thing about that that, that I that I question I suppose is that there's this there's a notion sometimes or there's a there, it, it, it is said in, in clubs around the country here an awful lot in your GA club you'd say you know it's all about the future it's all about the kids it's all about the kids but those kids become adults at some stage so I don't quite buy that it's all about the kids because it's also all about those who were kids 20 years ago who are now in the prime of their athletic development and it's like it's also about them you know and I think Kilkenny kind of live and die on on that sword as well it's like okay uh, do we want Henry Chef are we going to say oh this is good for us in the long run it's like they live in, in, in the moment of the game and they don't want at any stage Henry Shefflin picking up experience at their expense you know there's like I see what you're saying and I agree with it in many respects yeah. and with the whole thing as well I don't it's like to read into it and to try and create a hysteria about it and like that it's just in a, a particularly interesting um, I'm not attached to whether I'm right or wrong on it it's just a it was a real insight into some of the dynamics of, 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 of the relationship maybe I don't know and then there's a possibility as well that was just the way that the game ended I mean I don't know Kevin what your take was on yeah. it as a wing no, back coming no. out like would you should he have gone softly, softly and tapped the ball down? Or do you as a wing back, you played plenty around that that area, like you come sweeping? Yeah. yeah, well, look, just I suppose to finish off what you're saying about the handshake, I think sometimes when you slow things down and, you know, you look at it for too long and things like that, it can, you know, it can make it worse than, than it actually is. But um, uh, with regard to the final decision... Oh, Kevin, he's fucking steel. Like, it's a steely look. Like, you slowed down. Cody didn't change in the whole in the whole frame. He was just giving him a steely look. So, like, I, 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 I take your point, like, but my God, like, I don't know. And the pullback makes it so much worse. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My God, yeah. It was a real, yeah, it was a moment. Anyway, sorry, go on, Kevin. 
Yeah, no, the, the, the free at the end, um, I don't know what you think. Look, like, I suppose, it, you know, the the matches nowadays are very difficult to, to ref, and I just think in that uh, moment, last puck of the game, uh, Paddy Deegan knew the ball was coming down. And look, when you look back at it again in slow-mo and, and things like that, it, you know, most definitely wasn't a free, but I, I suppose he, it looked worse than it actually was probably in real time and, you know, Colin Lyons just made the decision uh, and uh, gave a free in, but a harsh way to um, to lose the match after getting back into it with, uh, you know, uh, 30 seconds to go. Mm. But, um, I, don't know I thought Tom Monaghan played it a bit, I don't know, like his last, it's the last puck of the game and, and like made the best man win, like, and, you know, kind of Machiavellian yeah. tactics and that's fair enough, like, but he made a meal of it, got his free, fair enough, Um but I just I would say like if if my wing back if I see a ball coming down all he has to do really all he had to do in the situation because I'm not sure who was outside him but it was one of his yeah, own men yeah. anyway all he had to do was get the hurl to it he's do you know when you're standing and you're isolated and there's a high ball coming down and you know there's a fella coming milling in behind you and there's a tension in your body because you're waiting for the hit um, he has control of that situation because because he's coming in from behind Monaghan is totally exposed so all he has to do is get into him and get the touchdown in front of him. Yeah. When you go through, there's you're you're riding that line now. On the last puck of the game, maybe you have to yeah. go through. It's the only choice you have, you know. In, in fairness, Dana Murphy, you know, I think it was a good puck out, you know, because I think Paddy Deegan was, you know, was a few yards off him, and that's why he had to make up that ground pretty quickly in order to intercept that that, yeah. that play. And yeah, that, that's why that's why I think Colin Lyons gave the free because he came hard from a little bit far back, and I I did think it was a good puck out, you know, in it, you know. A, a tough environment, last puck of the game, could have just easily settled it down and accepted the draw and look it worked for them because he, he hit the hand, the tackle was a little bit a little bit rash even though it did you know, in that moment in time. And um look, I suppose it, you know, it was a it was a difficult one for a column to call and people said no, it definitely wasn't a free, but it looked a little bit a uh, little bit rash from my end, I think, when you look at it in real time. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of felt I, my initial reaction was it was a freelance. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure what you, but um, and it's the nightmare decision. It's a nightmare scenario for a referee, isn't it? Where like uh, if it's not if it's not given, Kenny will score the point because he's picked up the ball. Just yeah. If it is given, it, so the, the referee really does decide the the, the fate of the game there, like uh, which is not, not where he wants to be. But like being honest, in in real time, I think. I would have thought it was a free and, and the ref only only sees it in real time so I, w- I couldn't blame him too much for it. No, you couldn't and I think it's, it's, it's a good point as well Kevin on Aina's puck out actually I think what made that puck out 10 times better was he was just after letting in a howler and he turned around yeah. you could see it in his body language he didn't even uh, you know, you, there's a there's a fraction of a second where you let yourself down you know a lot of the performance psychology is around you know maintaining the positive body and you know you're not reacting to things and responding to things in a way that weakens you or whatever uh, he just didn't it was like he didn't it was like a training goal you know he just turned straight around straight into the into the back of the net poked the ball out you know I thought it was a, an impressive recovery for, from him yeah yeah uh, and look a lot of times you're told you know when, when you can see the, when you can see the score just calm everything down for a couple of seconds but in fairness he saw the opportunity and look it worked out because I'm sure he was disappointed with you know the previous play that went in that that, that got Kilkenny what looked like it was going to be a draw, but um, look, it worked out for them. Galway are delighted; they're moving on. It was a huge win for them, and you know Kilkenny and Wexford now are, are, are a little bit under pressure. And you know whoever wins that game looks like they'll go through. Yeah, what did you think at the midfield in particular? I think for Galway, I mean, it seems like a bit of an ideal combination. 
Tom Monaghan, and he's so busy and he's so fast and he's in on the breaks and Joseph Cooney has that ability to push in draw two or three men in and then give it back out to Tom Monaghan to create play I don't know what, what like they, they seem to dominate that section of the field yeah. Um, yeah I don't know what was your take on it yeah you know I, I, I agree they, they, they looked really they, they looked like they knew each other inside out they were um, they were working very very well together um, Joseph Cooney is an absolute fantastic player in my opinion you know he, mm. he um you know he's gifted. He's he's extremely quick. I remember playing against him a few years ago. He's extremely quick. He looks Did you mark him? I would have. Yeah, God, I would have played marked him. What was what was your plan for him? Because I remember him scoring a point there on Sunday. I was thinking, I don't know what yeah. I would do with that man. Like he's 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 huge. He's, yeah, he's, he's skillful. Huge. He's he's good on the ground for such a, for, for for such a for such a big man. Like he's probably he's probably six two or six three. But um, oh, geez, at least. You know, He's an extremely good player, very underrated. And I thought he worked well with Tom Monaghan. Tom Monaghan was very good as well. You know, he was industrious. He was breaking the line. He he was working hard. He was getting into tackle and then, you know, popping out. And David Burke then coming back deep as a wing forward, you know, very experienced midfielder, top player over the years. And I just thought he was getting on ball. And, you know, that area of the field, the middle third, you know, we always talk about it. They definitely got on top there. They really, I suppose, uh, put their best foot forward from that position and Joseph Coney was just I thought he was the best player on the field yesterday I thought he was brilliant yeah yeah were they looking at it from the outside like did did do you feel like Shefflin got one up in the tactics like overall they were the better team they were more organised or was it sometimes I think Galway and Kilkenny they have a real interesting relationship like I mean it's four I think Galway have four wins one draw one loss in the last six outings Kilkenny dominated for a few years before that but there was always something of a bogey team uh, yeah. I always got the sense in, in Galway there's the, a big physical but open style of hurling how did it look in terms of the, the, the layout? Yeah yeah I thought I thought Kilkenny um you know, like like we said, they you know they went back to an old traditional route. Right? They, they didn't play through the lines as much, I know. And and when they did, I thought their hurling didn't look as sharp. And I saw Kilkenny in the in in the league in in, in Northern Park against Waterford a couple of months back now. And like that in the in the first half, they didn't their their touch for you know it's such strong characteristic of of Kilkenny hurlers. I thought it was a little bit off, and I thought the same then um, yesterday. And you know they they stayed in the game throughout like they always do. You know, with the hitting the likes of Wally Welsh and that, and, and and creating goal chances, and 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 they did need those goals to stay in the game because um, other than I thought they were outplayed, but you know, as a from a system point of view, I thought, thought Galway, you know, used the ball better, knew exactly what they were doing, and the puck outs. So Kilkenny, I just thought were a little bit kind of went back to went back to basics, and you know, man on man, get in around the ball, and um, yeah, only for as I said, those those goal chances they. You know, Galway could have been a little bit further out of sight, but uh, that's what I felt on it. And I just saw it earlier in the in in, in the year with with Kilkenny in the league against Waterford. I thought just just a little bit surprised then um, because they're, they're they're such good stick men the mall, and I just thought, um, you know, that's twice I've seen it this year that I thought when they do run through the lines and and, and uh, you know put the man under pressure, you know, ball to hand it was just a little bit off. Their touch was a little bit off, and and they kind of relied on you know what they were good at, kind of. For the last twenty years, let's say. But, yeah, um, yeah. While not quite having the finesse to do it, maybe. Uh, Brian Cannon, full forward, Derek, uh, a position you know well. I mean, just even from his point alone, it was an outrageous uh, score to take on, and I mean, absolutely nailed it. What was? How do you? How do you see him developing? Yeah, I thought. I thought I was very, very impressed with him actually, and mm. um, he got a, 
I don't know how many points he finished with, but nearly every one of them was a highlight, you know. They were all, he, he won some great ball coming out and over his shoulder was able to score from all angles. But that angle, that angle score from the end line was, you know, spectacular. And in fairness to him, he, he won the ball in that position. He turned around, he checked behind his, over his right shoulder to see was there a supporting player. So he was looking for the better option first. And when it wasn't there, he said, okay, I'll take it on. And it's kind of like the sort of, the shooting you'd be doing, you know, messing around down in the field. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking, you know, trying to score from behind the end line, that's and put a real whip on the ball, just come across it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an outrageous score, actually, a really impressive one. But he got a few more that were uh, quality as well, and, and he had a really good game. Yeah, they're developing well, Galway. Yeah, um, I thought, you know, I agree with Kevin, it was a really good game. And, um, you know, something in Munster, maybe we're... Somewhat. Uh, sometimes we look overlook the Leinster Championship, and you know everyone. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> everyone's talking about the strength of Munster Championship. But I mean, those two teams yesterday, you know, would be extremely competitive in, in Munster as well. And uh, I think you know it'll be interesting when when we do get out of the provinces uh, coming up against them because um, there's two quality teams there, mm. and I expect both of them to come out of Leinster. You know. Uh, we'll move on to Clare and Cork two teams who might get on okay if they were in Leinster as well um, you were happy enough Derek with the with the, with the the all-around performance um, John Conlon at centre-back I know you're very I know you're close to John I thought like it, it seems like there's a lot building from there he's holding that position well and there seems to be a lot building from there and now with, with Doug on back and with Shane O'Donnell like it, it's do you know I want to ask you about something actually uh, Derek and it's an idea it's just something that I've that I've thought about for a while I, I, you might have been involved in it so I don't know if you can talk about it in the way you might want to I'm not sure and that's fine but I felt uh, in the last year I think it might have been Davy Fitzgerald's last year and there was a bit of a fallout with Davy O'Halloran and a couple of players and I remember thinking at the time that's going to be difficult to get over because the players uh, in some senses kind of sided with Davy Fitz and maybe sided with the way that the like you know they, they wanted to play on in a sense as well and didn't want to go down maybe a, too much of a battle or whatever and I always thought that when a couple of players were sidelined maybe in that that it was going to be difficult for a, a group for a group of lads who've grown up and played the game together to get over that and it subsequently kind of proved uh, to be like that. Um, there was, it, it, things kind of for the last four or five years have been, it, it went from on the field, then more to off the field uh, with, with stuff at the county board and that. But it seems now, from talking to Niall McIntyre, uh, who was down at the game, he was saying that Brian Lohan came over to the crowd after he was maybe looking for somebody. He wasn't going over to like congratulate himself or anything like that. He just came over and he felt this real sense of appreciation from the crowd that, that the the steeliness that we talked about is kind of finally reorganising things that fell apart a few years ago but now you get the sense that there's something coming back uh, the, the promise that we all kind of felt was in a lot of these players I know there's a lot of players added and a lot of players have finished but am I a million miles off with that or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a good bit in what you've covered there, Darren, but um, I suppose the first thing, and you mentioned Davey and that, I think Davey O'Hollern and uh, Nicky O'Connell that time, that was probably very badly handled, um, you know, and I think from the players' point of view, it was badly handled as well, but mm. you know, that's going back a good few years ago now, when, and there was the subsequent manager in between Brian and, and Davey as well, Don Maloney, who did a really good job. Um, yeah, of uh, yeah. kind of recovering that goodwill, yeah, um, yeah, and getting absolutely, the public, uh, getting the public um, behind the team again. And um, like last year, uh, Claire were knocked out by Cork inside in the Gaelic grounds, and um, the everyone in the Mackey stand, all the Clare supporters in the Mackey stand, stayed on and. 
uh, you know, the, the players stayed on for on the field for a good while and eventually they made their way off. But there was a really positive reception for Brian and all the, all the players as they walked off. And, you know, they were all clapped off by the, by the Clare supporters having just been knocked out. So there's a huge amount of goodwill uh, towards both the players and the management in, in Clare. And like I touched on earlier, down in the square in Turles, um on Sunday, you know, you could kind of get a sense of real excitement. And um, definitely, I think the Clare supporters were probably that bit more optimistic than the car, their car counterparts as I was, you know, just looking in the pubs and that, like, um, there, there is a good buzz around Clare again um, and definitely that goodwill and uh, people are looking forward to the games and really hoping that the lads do well and fully behind them, you know, so I, I'd agree with your point. Um, I think uh, that that's definitely been recovered and, and Brian, has, um, Brian has played a big part in that and, and Donald Maloney and subsequent managers have played a big part in that as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think it's happened. I think you, you can see the patterns it's, it, in some senses in different places where a manager comes in who has maybe more of a, maybe a, a, a more army kind of style of organisation and, and, and strictness and then you need somebody kind of to come in afterwards and give him a bit of a hug after it and say, look at you, like, you know, you're not at war, it's okay, we can we can relax, let the systems relax, let the body relax and enjoy your hurling again, you know, and it seemed definitely with Donald that he, that he knew those all those players, all of you guys inside out from, from a very young age and he'd been looking after you very well, so I absolutely take that. Rory Hayes probably typifies uh, <laughs> Brian Lohan's uh, what Brian Lohan is bringing to it I mean he's Rory Hayes is his own man and he's developed himself in the way that he plays the game but he certainly has that uh, non-compromising cornerback approach that you love to play with and hate playing against yeah it's 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 brilliant to watch him actually uh, just the way he takes on the game and uh, there was I, th- I think it was McIntyre actually wrote an article about uh, how O'Connor was greeted by him coming on to the onto the field and uh, he's just a nightmare to mark as a forward uh, like I haven't actually marked him but just watching him um, he's he's so physical he's in your face and then he attacks every single ball from the front you know he never waits um, he never lets you win it and, and defends then he he wants to win that ball first and yeah very uh, I suppose um, would remind you a bit of Lohan uh, but maybe has a, has a bit more to do before you can be compared. There, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not the comparison. It's just his, yeah. There's something in the there's something in the approach that you can yeah. imagine the manager looking on saying, yeah, yeah, I like that. Like uh, you, you well, can see why he picks yeah. him. Like you know, you'd know why. Yeah, you'd know why he picks him. As you would. Fact. You would. He typifies what Lohan would like to see out of a defender. But he's having he's having a great year so far. But he's had a, he's had a few good years now to be honest, and he's he's emerged as one of the top cornerbacks in the country he stage, has you know? unquestionably yeah. unquestionably up the other end Kevin what would you do well, I don't know what would you with Shane well, Tony Kelly uh, maybe for midfield yeah. Duggan or, or or closer in Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell in particular maybe as a wing back like yeah. what would you, where would you what, at centre forward if he's drifting out how would you take on Tony Kelly how do you stop his influence in the game well, look, I think Clare are very clever with their their use of Tony Kelly because they know he's going to be, you know, he's going to be tightly marked. He's always going to be, um, you know, there's, there's going to be serious attention folks folks on him. And this we played Clare this time last year, actually, first round of Munster Championship, or and um, sorry, no, last June it was, and same thing, you know, we folks on Tony a bit, but you know all the other players that Clare have um, you know they're no mugs and I think a lot of them are are, are are prospering from the fact that Tony's going to be marked and there's going to be space created from the fact that he's been he, he's been marked and um, yeah look obviously Tony himself is you know extremely difficult lad to handle and but as I said as I was saying like I just the calibre of players that Clare have you know they're probably you know on par with Waterford as, as the two best uh, team serve to try and take down Limerick in my opinion and and um, 
Dara, would you agree with that? Clare were probably written off by a lot of people before the championship, which I, I, I was fairly confident going into the championship. I thought last year they were unlucky, you know, they beat Waterford in, in the Munster Championship, and then I thought they were lucky against uh, Tip, and, and they were beaten by Cork. Cork were a better team that day, but, you know, the addition of Peter Duggan and Shane O'Donnell has, has kicked on Clare another bit since then. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I suppose... Yeah. I've probably made my feelings clear on. I do think Limerick are a good bit ahead of everyone, um, but I think yeah. you know that uh, you know Clare Waterford are at a similar standard, and you know there's a few more teams knocking around at that same level in my opinion. Um, but um, Clare's two games so far as well, like Tipperary and Cork, um, great wins for Clare, but but you have to say the opposition has probably slipped back from where they were last year. Um, so uh, we, have to, we haven't got a fully gauge yet on where we are really as a county, but they've done everything that's been asked them so far, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd always be looking for a response to a goal, you know, like we were, like we were, we were talking about uh, the, the Kilkenny goal, um, a response to a goal and a response to a sending off. Dean Galvin sending off, I think maybe... He was unlucky when he turned that the butt of the hurl was out and it may have looked like he had, to the referee, he just saw the, the extended butt of the hurl and decided he'd struck him with that and, you know, whatever it is, I, everybody, I think, was pretty confident that it wasn't maybe a red card, but yeah. there was clear response, Kevin, you know, you're looking for, you you were a player whose response was dependent upon. You can't you can't depend on everybody for the correct response, but there are players who you always depend on for the correct response in some in in some senses. But I thought Claire responded really well to the sending off um, yeah. because it was a time when the energy was kind of shifting in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you know you spoke about energy there. I think that was the big difference between the two teams: the energy that you know that Claire had in comparisons to Cork. You know um, that. You know, ferocity in the challenge, getting numbers around the ball. But you're right; they responded really well. Uh, obviously, Cork. You know, they've some some great players, and that they, they they got a run. But and you know, I think the goal at the end put a bit of gloss on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm extremely impressed with Clare. I think they've some serious players. Um, I, I thought they'd win yesterday before the match myself, and you know, they 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 look to be six or seven point better team um, likewise the previous week against Tipperary they you know they, they look far far superior to Tipperary uh, I think they've re- really good players they're really behind the manager the fans are really behind the team you know it just you know there's something you know they seem to be going in a really really good direction and you know it seems to be a happy camp and um, you know they, they I think they'll have a long summer ahead yeah it's looking like it uh, on the other yeah. side <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm slow to talk too much about Cork as I feel after maybe the last couple of games that there's been a lot of analysis about Cork and the teams that they've been playing it, it almost wouldn't yeah it wasn't essential you know the performances uh, that were clocked up against them and I'm kind of at the point now where it's like well look at this is just how good Cork are uh, this, there's no point in there's no point in overindulging as to why they're not doing this and why they're not doing that it's like well it doesn't really matter why they're not doing this but they're not doing it and that's the standard that they're at now it might be particularly harsh towards Cork I'm not sure but one of the things that stood out to me after the game was looking at Kieran Kingston's comments and this is where I'm wondering a little bit of the source uh, of, of that malaise in some respects is that the first thing was the, res- the criticism, the players didn't stand up, uh, the players were put off or the players weren't able for, or I'm not sure what the phrase was, but anyway, the the long and the short of it is it was because people in Cork were criticising the style of play and that got in on the players and so they had a very slow start. 
Now, I mean, I think he he's somewhat responsible for the creation of the style of play. Obviously, that does rest with the players, but this is a style that they're playing, and it's obviously an order that's coming in that they have to wait for the pass to to, to be on. So that's that, you know that's that's up for criticism when it works or doesn't work in the way that it had done um, so spectacularly. And then the other thing that he had said was um, maybe there was too much expectation on the players after the league that they had and being in the other final last year and I thought to myself well there's two there's two points now so it's the expectation of people and it is uh, the criticism and I just thought it was a total and utter lack of self-ownership of the fact that Cork are looked to be in some kind of self-destruct mode I'm not sure like it's easy to play well when you're 11 points down because you know we've been in those situations you're getting beaten and all of a sudden the shackles are off and you play a bit of good hurling because there's nothing to lose Cork are they're, they're, it's in maybe not disarray I don't know but it's certainly not it's not, not impressive to look at in any shape or form Derek yeah it, it was very uncork like really wasn't it those comments uh, they were like uh, you'd associate mm. with Cork supreme confidence like um, and uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. but um, yeah I was, I was a little shocked I, like it kind of struck me as someone who's not really enjoying being in the position maybe that he's in at the moment but um, because um, I didn't, you know, I just wouldn't associate that with, with Cork at all, ever. And, and even against Clare, they've had the upper hand over the last few years. They've, they've consistently beaten Clare, and I kind of feared that coming in. I, like, I did think there'd be maybe a bit of a malaise in Cork, but that the fact that they have had the upper hand on Clare, on Clare would give them that confidence to go again. But honestly, in the first half, they looked, um, they looked like... Um, you know, for the first 25 minutes, anyway, they didn't look like they were up for it. Uh, they, they looked lagging in energy. Um, they, they did play a bit of hurling then for the last 10 minutes of the first half, and they came into it again after the red card. But, like, I mean, like Kevin said, I think Clare were probably seven or eight points a better team, and, and on, only for that, like, red card, which which wasn't a justified red card, they would have wound up winning by that much. Um if you're Cork, you have to look. You have to look for some positives, and and I think you know Alan Connolly coming on um, did stand up and was counted. Uh, scored, uh, scored one great point to start the match, and the goal he got, he had no right to get it. Like, and, and he still wound up uh, beating Hayes to the ball actually, and and getting in. And the other thing I'd say was, you know, over the last they got a couple of hidings off Limerick, Waterford, and Limerick in the All Ireland last year. And my big criticism was like, okay, you're you're getting a bit of hiding here, but show a bit of fight, start a row, you know, do something. Mm. Um, yeah, and they yeah. hadn't done it in those games. But I did think, in fairness to Robert Downey, who had a good game, he showed a bit of uh, something about him where, you know, he wasn't taking any step back. He came out and got involved and um, and, he, and he had a really solid game. So you're full back line and Alan Connolly coming on and, and that bit of kind of passion and drive not to be walked all over by, by Downey. That's kind of what you want a bit more of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think in some senses it's a little bit harsh because I think the Robbie O'Flynn chance goes in, Kingston guilt edge chance as well. Like, you know, they they, they, they did create four, you know, four very, very good goal chances that on another day would have gone in. And I know when you get like four goals as opposed to like 28 points or whatever, it's, it does it does tell about the play. But as you know, well know, Derek, uh, goals win games in a big way. So like if they get those... Maybe they're not as far off. I don't know, Kevin. Are you like what do you what do you yeah. see in Cork? Are you are you surprised by them or? I am. I am surprised, and I'm. You know, I'm, I'd be cautious to the fact that they're playing Waterford in two weeks' time. You know, like everyone's out and they're like on the Sunday game the other night. Just 
like the first thing that the highlights of the match were talking about Cork, you know, and how bad Cork are and things like that. And maybe that that's the level they're at, and they they do get a lot of criticism. But like that, they could come down to Walsh Park in two weeks' time, and you know, put on a huge display. And if they if if they were to turn over Waterford, um, you know, they're still they're still in the championship, and they've they, they've Tipperary the last game, but certainly they, they do seem. You know, not even lacking confidence, but just energy. And um, yeah, I agree with Derek there. Um, Rob Downey and particularly Conley, I thought were absolutely brilliant. You know, so you can't just generalize and say, oh, they no, they no fight, they no this or that. So a lot, a lot of them didn't on the day, but you know, they they could get that right in a couple of weeks' time and, mm. and, and still t- stay in the championship. They're they're too good a team and too good a players to be, you know. Beaten the way the manner that they're being beaten at the moment, and um, but it's in the yeah, engagement, no. isn't it? It's in the engagement. It's like it's not that they they don't have fight. Like it, it's it's in, yeah. You know, you see the clips that were shown last night. Looking at them, um, well, I only looked at them this morning coming up on the train, but looking at the clips anyway, it was like just players not being touched. Like you know, just given this yeah. this space, this open space. Now it's easy to pick out five or six things in any game because the game sometimes does have it does create that spaciousness, but you do see. That evasive kind of running around uh, the modern game of running through is a bit of a struggle um, for the type of player that Cork have across the board. Like not every one of them, obviously, but just in the yeah. in that necessity of in the necessity of breaking the line, uh, they they're not yeah. quite they're not quite there. Yeah, I, look, I think maybe maybe some of their they're, they're they're all a bit alike, maybe you know, and and they're missing the likes of uh, of a Bill Cooper, who was a you know really, you know, fantastic tough player for Cork over mm. the years, or or, or or a Christopher Joyce wing back, you know, real tough solid player, and maybe they're missing a few more of those. You know, they are young, they're playing to a, a new system, they are under a bit of pressure, they they are listening to the outside noise and to the bit of criticism, but there's no reason why. You know they they can't get their season back on track with with one big with one big win, but um yeah it's just surprising their their, their energy's off. Even they just seem like a team on the floor. Um just no things aren't going great. Um even when they got a, a couple of scores or a goal, there's no real passion and you know in the man's face and you know wanting to win the next ball and, and go again. That's that's kind of what's lacking more so than anything now. In, in the bat of an eye, they could get a ball and turn the inside out and hang it. But yeah, it's just yeah, that consistent, yeah. that consistent energy I thought was kind of lacking. And maybe there's a bit more going on behind the scenes than we know. But they they do seem in, you know, um, just playing below par. But as mm. I said to you, I, I, I I'm slightly cautious of giving them <laughs> criticizing them too much because they could. You go, they put egg in your face now, and, and you could be up on the dressing room wall inside in Cork before yeah, the game yeah. in two weeks' Jesus. time. Yeah, it's, it's a big uh, game for, for us down here as well, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. Um, the consistency, how, how much of a value did you put on consistency, like either in your own, like are you surprised by how some players go from 95 down to 70 down to 50 and then back up to 75 like it was something that was very clear and and I want to clarify and qualify as well at the start I think there's something when you say about somebody being consistent it's almost like a lack of brilliance and a lack of poorness there's a consistency in the middle but to be consistently excellent uh, which I think is one of the defining characters of your career. How much value do you put in that consistency as, as a as an intercounty hurler? And is there is it a, is it always understood how valuable that consistency is? Yeah, I, like I think you know that's that's the hardest part, isn't it? You know, it's like and and when you're playing big matches, no matter how you how well you play, 
you're always thinking about the next game, isn't it? Because if you play poorly, you want to play better. If you play well, you're kind of saying to yourself, how am I going to maintain that? You know, so it's 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 the the consistency on your day to day and your training and your things like that is um you know, so important to bring consistency to your matches. And I think that happens over time. And you do see particularly younger players, you know, have, going through better periods and things like that. And, you know, 95%, all of a sudden, they could be taken off the next game. And that's and, and, and that's the nature of, you know, um, you know, athletes and, and, and sports people, you know, they have to learn from those from those days. And the days that you're taking off, you might learn more from, from the fact from that day than the previous day when you're when you're a man of the match. So building that consistency into your game is probably the hardest part of being any top level sports person, you know, and um, you know, that's you know, that's what that's what we all strive for. And certainly when I was playing it was always the, the, you know, in your mind that the next day was, you know, the more important again. No do you, what do you remember going through a poor patch, uh Kevin? Because I, I, I struggle to remember uh, I've definitely, I've definitely got some holes in my memory for from from of, of games over the last ten or twelve years. Like, but I mean, yeah. you're like, yeah, it's just someone who just consistently reached it, like reached a very, very high standard, and kind of continued to do so. Even when I thought Ginny, Kevin, now maybe it might be time to to go this at the start of the year, or whatever, and all of a sudden yeah. you'd be still there in the end of the summer, rocking up huge performances. Like, it, it, did, do you remember a time where there was a yeah where the confidence was gone? Like, yeah, well, look. I suppose at the start and at the end really is it to answer your question you know at the start I would have had a lot of kind of you know difficult days I suppose and particularly playing playing maybe in positions that I wasn't suited to and being taken off and things like that at very early in my career and you know I think Did you ever get skinned earlier in your career? Oh, I did. Niall Gilligan skinned me before <laughs> the first match but Jesus Gilly spent he skinned many Yeah 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 and, and like you said then towards the end of your career you're just um there, there, there is there is times when you say to yourself, "God, this is getting that bit harder." The level of performance isn't where it needs to be, and you know it's um, probably probably stayed an extra year or two, if I'm being honest. But that was just the environment I was in, and and with the likes of Liam and Mikey coming in, it was just hard to you know hard to turn your back on it. But yeah, look, that's uh, oh God, uh, yeah, some some um, some barren spells there where confidence is low, and you just all you want to do is go out and play it play a really good game and you'd, you'd give anything to do and you're you know so that can be the, the hardest part of dealing um with inter-county hurling yeah 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 for sure Derek never a problem for you either consistency was it yeah <laughs> no no <laughs> consistently injured was my problem I mean Kevin had a great career there how many years did you play um, I, I, 2006 what was it? 15 years 15, 15 long years yeah my god 15 years so, by god the first few years were grand though so it wasn't like it is now <laughs> yeah actually that was one of the things I was thinking about um, I suppose and, and it is because of that consistency in terms of like you know consistency comes in your preparation and it comes in your commitment to your ideals and what the game is and what like what you won't stand for when you cross over the line and things like that like these are the basis of 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 um on, on what it is to be consistent but the game changed the game changed hugely in your time like it was a significant shift from that that early stage we'll say six to I don't know, 13, 14, it seemed to just maybe to turn another little corner there. It had done so when Kenny and Tipperary went where they went to in maybe 2006, 7, I think 7, the league semi league final in 2007 was like when it just went 
stratospheric like they, they, they hit a real pinnacle um, and continued to grow but um, you stayed consistent but the game changed hugely what did you, what did you see what were the, what are the most noticeable changes from the last the last days to when you came in first Oh yeah, look, it's, I suppose chalk and cheese, really. You know, it's mm. um, and the level the level it's gone to now is you know even higher again, and you're kind of saying to yourself, where where does the, where does this stop? You know, but um, it's uh, yeah, definitely. Um, look, where I are the improvements in those changes? Where are where? What do you see as the improvements in them? For a start, oh sure, the improvements are you know every everything you need to know about your body. You know, your from from your sleep to your to how much you can lift, to the calories you eat, to, you know, and you, you can tell an awful lot about where you are, whether you're fit, you know, there's so many devices and and science, sports science out there to tell you exactly what you are. And then, you know, the training itself just took a, a whole new uh, deviation, I suppose, and just went harder and harder and harder. And then as you get older, you're finding it harder to recover and you're probably not getting in your what you should be doing from a gym point of view and you know you're just I found myself anyways I was just finding getting training to be able on a Tuesday night and trying to recover to train on a Friday you know so that's three days later so um that's 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 what I found difficult but in between there was a lot of um you know five five days a week you know and you're if, if you're missing them and towards the end I kind of found that I was falling falling way off the lads, you know, who were getting the five and six sessions in a week and me only doing two or three. That's what I found the the most difficult. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything that was there any developments where you were thinking, do you know what, this was this was actually better in two thousand and six. Um Yeah. Yeah, well so you know, um I suppose the effort some of the stuff and Derek can tell you the same, like, you know, what you're expected to do. Um, you know, some of the times you have to know your body and you have to kind of say, like, you know, I'm not able for this. So I have to pull this back a bit. I'm borderline injured. And you have to, you know, every player is different. And I think the hard, the hard thing is sometimes is just if you're tight or if you're sore and you're, you're getting through a session that you're, you know, sometimes you have to know your body and you have to be your own man and stand up for yourself a small bit in a sense that you know what you're doing. You're preparing yourself for three or four weeks down the line instead of going extremely hard and, you know, burn yourself out. That's what I found towards the latter end of my career. I was able to do quite well. So Is that hard for a young fella? Is it, It's definitely, it's a, a criticism, but it's not a criticism of judgment of young fellas in, in, in the game now at the moment because I'm not sure what it's like in the environment, but definitely the environment that they come into uh, can sometimes be one of like, well, this is what we're, this is what we're expecting uh, this is what you have to do and the player gets less of that opportunity that when you grow older and you're more established <clears throat> you say to yourself well look at I'm telling you what my limits are I know my body and a 22 year old 23 year old who you think would actually benefit from being encouraged to stand into their, their own shoes like and say you have to stand your ground and you have to be willing to you have to be willing to lose yeah. your place on the team you have to be willing to lose a place on the panel like you can't be held over your athletic identity can't be held over to at the cost of your body because in the long yeah. run that's bad for you but it seems like that's I don't know maybe the environment has changed again like maybe the, maybe the managers now are like listening to players an awful lot more but it certainly seems like maybe as players particularly younger players we take a little bit too much more than we should yeah, and that comes back to trust as well, like where like the manager has to trust the player to say, you know, 
okay, if he tells me this, it's coming from a place where he wants to succeed as well. And and that's not always the case where yeah. the manager will say, no, look, uh, you have to do X, Y, and Z and there's no there's no compromises whatsoever. Or like, you know, uh, trusting, trusting players around to do their own work, to do their own hurling alley work or their own gym work, you know, oftentimes and that frees up a lot of time where other managers will say, no, you have, to, you have to drive an hour and a half to do that up here because I want to watch you doing it because I don't trust you doing it. Uh, yeah. On your own. yeah. Oh my God! It used to break my heart that dynamic of yeah, yeah having to go back down to Wexford to train or looking at a manager saying you're going to do an hour and a half in the car to do an hour and a half of gym work to get in the car for an hour and a half. It's like yeah. that fellow's going to have hamstring injuries. I mean, for for the rest of the summer, like, but but that was what they were expected to do because the player, the manager decided. Yeah. But the time commitment uh, and and that like is is gone through the roof. Like I mean, you're talking about have, it's it's like having a second job really. And you're putting in 30, 40 hours a week uh, with the whole thing. And the, the the effort that the players are putting in at the moment is just outrageous, really, you know, at times. And uh, I suppose that makes actually that the whole issue of the, the expenses at the moment and the GPA trying to hold that over their head and, and the GPA having to fight them on that all the more disappointing because the effort and the time that people are putting into this is just so uh, exhausting uh, that, you know, they should be well looked after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I think, uh, 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 I mean, it's not a, it's not a remuneration or it's not, um, it balances things out in some way that there would be that freedom to say, look at like it's April and I'm, and I'm tired and I've gone hard for you now and I'm going to take a week off and I'm going to go off with my girlfriend or I'm going to go off with the lads and I'm going to take a week out to just decompress and I'll come back and I'll be a much stronger player for it as opposed to staying going. And, and never really getting a chance to rest. You know, that, that that thing of having to be in from October to now July or whatever with no kind of break, you know, it, it seems like it, it increases the chances of a bubble developing <clears throat> and maybe not developing more outside of the game. But it's also just, yeah, it's, it's it just seems to be overloaded a little bit. Like that was what the GPA found out recently in their, that study they did a couple of years ago that a lot of players weren't actually happy with the, the work, the, the work-life balance in a sense uh, when you're calling it the GA work. <clears throat> just back to the hurling, uh, Wexford, I, I, I'm, I'm keen to talk about Wexford because we actually won. Um, Five goals went, I think four, if not five, went in after Rory O'Connor, um, who I thought was actually charged at the time, but Leash lost a man in the in the in the tackle, and and then Wexford let rip. I don't think either of you are too fearful of uh, Wexford coming out of Leinster and causing any trouble, are you? Or am I wrong in that, uh, Kevin? Please tell me I'm wrong in that. Um, look, I, I I think they're 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 a bit off, I suppose. You know, they might mm. get in. As the maybe the third team in Leinster, um, you know they, they they have a massive game to win if they're to do that. But I do think they're a little bit off it. Um, Can they beat yeah, Kenny in Nolan Park? Um, I'm not so sure. No, I I, I don't think so. Um, if I'm being honest, but um, look, they, you know they have they, they have some some marquee players like the likes of Rory O'Connor who would make any team in the country. And you know if 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 they're on on fire that day, who knows? But just. Um, they just seem to be a little bit. Maybe, maybe they peaked a little bit too early in the year, um, yeah. and, and it's kind of hard to get it back on track. And you know, it's it's. You spoke about overload there. Everything's just coming so, so fast and so quick, and the games are getting more important and, uh, as as the year goes on. And you know, there's not actually long left in the year, so um, you know, it, it's um, 
it'll be a, a huge game for them in Nolan Park, and who knows they might get in. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure they in the top four though. Yeah, the standard maybe in Munster at the moment, but certainly the excitement is going to be in Leinster on that last day. I mean, Dublin had another win, not not very impressive, but I think Dublin definitely respond an awful lot better to playing a Wexford or a Kilkenny. They seem to want to really climb those steps. Uh, looking forward below with G fellas. Um, I suppose if Limerick are back up against Tip, how big a loss, Derek, is Keane Lynch to Limerick's uh, desires for a, another Munster title? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting actually. You see, Limerick, it's it's probably a good. If they're two games one, you know, they're going to progress. It's probably a good opportunity for them to develop their squad a little bit. Um, Carl O'Neill has come in and played a good few minutes now, and looks looks to be a right good player. Uh, you know, and he can only improve. You know, with the opportunity that's probably there with a couple of lads missing. And they'll need a few. They'll need to find a few more lads because you know I'm not sure whether Hayes is going to be available. Really, I think against against Tipperary, you know Tipperary are going very poorly at the moment, and you'd expect Limerick to win. You know, even down those lads, I, I think they'll probably win that fairly comfortably. But whether they can just develop a few players uh, and have the opportunity to do that, and while also making sure that the lads who are injured are coming back fully fit when they do come back, that'll be their main goal. Um, you know, I don't think you know Limerick are in a, are in a great position, and uh, they're they're absolutely flying it, and uh, I think they're a good eight or nine points ahead of you know the next best team. Um, but uh, the only thing that might catch them is those injuries, and and maybe you know in discipline down the line could be an issue. But uh, that's the only thing that they have to fear. Mm. Speaking of indiscipline, actually, Kevin, I just just thinking about um, Joe Canning's comments in the week. He was talking about refereeing, and I definitely would have looked at you as a player who you could a referee could go to you and say like you were a leader of the team. You you could go in. You you weren't too hot headed. You had a reasonable kind of yeah. You seem to be reasonable on the field most of the time, anyway, um, as would be expected. Um, and you could go to a referee and say like, what was that for? And the referee would address you directly, and then you go back. Uh, to the players and say, Do you know, this is this is what's going on here, and I don't know. I it, it, I'm 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 bemused now. I suppose I, I I thought it was great as a player, maybe in some ways, but it is quite bemusing. I think it's something we have to probably challenge in the GA that you can actually speak to another human being who's on the field beside you, taking part in the game, and the game doesn't play or the game doesn't happen without him, and he's as fallible as anybody else, and he's going to make mistakes, but that's what we all start with. We know that. We know that he's going to. Some days we come out on the wrong side of him, some days we come out on the right side of him. That we can't have for abuse to officials, uh, a very simple, like, red card, six-month suspension, off you go, you learn your lesson once, you won't have to ever learn it again. And to have a system like that that's built on a foundation of respect between people um, and not in not in like a tokenistic, you know, every every corporate interest in the company now talks about respect and values and all these things, but actually that you would respect the man in the field who's facilitating the play and be able to communicate with him like he's a normal human being. I know tensions flare and we, we get intense, but to be able to have a player who can speak to the referee and navigate that and then communicate back, surely that's... Is, is it a better way than what we have at the moment? Like, Yeah. Uh, look, in the ideal, ideally, yes, it is. It, it will be the way forward. I just think, if we're realistic about it, it, it's probably impossible to police in that sense because, in the likes of rugby, you've you've, you've everyone within five or six meters of the ball. You've you've, you've the referee there. He's able to call his players in quite very quickly and have a word at, at the captain. And there is a you know um, 
they respect the referee in an awful, you know, an awful good manner and speak to him very mannerly as well. Compared to the likes of your your, your GA, you could have a lad a hundred meters away and you can't hear a thing. And you know, so being realistic, I'm not so sure how to how talking to you know a, a, a leader on the field and how he can communicate that to his players um, could work. But certainly speaking, maybe. Um, there does need to be a little bit more help for for the referees because it's getting a tougher and tougher job. I was watching that match yesterday, and like you know, it's it, it's so hard. It's going so quick. There's so many hits and tackles and things like that. Like you're, we're borderline kind of what is a free and what isn't a free. So it's um definitely needs help. Maybe more from the umpires or the fourth official or something like that. But mm. it's just so intense and so so difficult for one man to be doing it. It's. Look, I don't have the answers for it, but it's something something that has to be looked at definitely. I think down the line because it it, it can be quite, you know, you're you're just going to have more and more mistakes and things like that from referees, and it's not their fault. It's it's, it's just so hard and so quick to 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 keep on top of. It is, it is. I almost should have thought of giving umpires uh, more <laughs> more power because just some of the decisions that umpires well, make at times, you just wonder what's going on. But I, I yeah, take your point absolutely, and it'll bring maybe up standards. Refer- referees as as umpires, you know, as a kind of. I think that's just a numbers game, isn't it? It's like referees kind of have their umpires and they just they bring yeah. whoever and sometimes there'll be fellas standing beside the goal and you wonder if Jenny Mack can even see the top of the post. Like, you just don't know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Derek, on, on that, what's your what's your sense of that, Derek? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like that. If, if you had um, if you had referees in there, but was just can't be done because those referees are relying on those umpires, you know, for their club games and go on yeah. to, you know, fecal on a Wednesday night when you mightn't want to be doing going to fecal, so... Um, Who wouldn't want to go to Fiekel on Wednesday night, Derek? <laughs> so, like, um, th- you know, that's 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 the problem there. But as well, like, you can't really implement the rugby um, uh, system because, like, like Kevin said, rugby is a so stop start, and you have you you could sit down and have a chat there in the middle of a rugby match, and it wouldn't be missed. <laughs> whereas, like, the, the hurling uh, is just it's all go at, on all areas of the field, and mm. what's making it even harder for the refs now at the moment is you know that bit of feigning and play acting where you know, like I would have said, Ian Galvin's red card yesterday. Was never read, but you know people are. Uh, John Conlon, would you have said it for John Conlon? Or uh, I couldn't really see that issue. Like, <laughs> on, on, on the yeah. well, you couldn't because you know he turned into. It might have been like look. He did. I see your point. I see your point. But I thought, yeah. Anyway, yeah, there I, might have been. There might it's have been a tough one. It's a tough. There one. might have been an issue on it, but it was just yeah. obvious with the, with the. It was more obvious with the Ian, Ian's one anyway. Okay, that's it was. They're two club mates of mine, so I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Sure, I don't, uh, I don't look, want to go down that road either. Uh, I would have thought it was it was more obvious. So look, that makes it an awful lot more difficult for refs, and um, and it's not an easy job at all. Uh, so I'm not sure how you can improve things. Really, you should like you have you have. So you're team. just both. What I get is you're both in favour of just continuing to lorry abuse of referees. We'll we'll leave it there. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, look at there's subtleties to the to the argument, and it's good to hear that from Kevin. Actually, it's not something I particularly considered. Um, I think that there is maybe. A, a, a line, a player in either midfield at the you know the centre back, the centre forward, the midfielder. So we're generally kind of three kind of leader leaders anyway, and you just have a maybe a direct line of some sort. But I don't know how you'd find the centre forward anymore. Sure, Janie Mackey's in the corner back line half the time, and he's up in the corner forward, and it is impossible. And I think anything to slow it down as well. If you're slowing down the game, it comes at a cost. And I think part of that is actually just a bit. We have a little bit of an inability to accept. Uh, the flawed nature of a referee and what he sees and the speed that he's seen it. And I think if there was a little bit more forgiveness of referees from players and supporters, um, the, like, you know, the, the arrival of more and more technology, like, are we going to need more technology? Is that a free? Are we going to slow it down and go back up to the camera and see, is that a free? Is it that important in the sense that 
you lose some days on the basis of a poor decision and you win some days on the basis of a poor decision and over the lifetime over your life spell of playing like that balances out fairly much and I don't have any there's no time where I can say they lost games because of decisions referees made for sure like but they're not things you hold on to either like you know I, I just I think if there's a bit more space for their fallibility um, it wouldn't be such a big issue and there wouldn't be this essential need for more and more technology and going up to the cameras you know yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it definitely balances out. You know, I think if you if you look back on matches, you um, matches that you've lost. Uh, if you look back over the seventy seventy five minutes, there's an awful lot more things that if you're reflective in yourself, um, that you did wrong more so than the referee mm. that, that that could have had a, a positive outcome on the game. But yeah, like what, the technology side of things, I think. Look, it is difficult. Um, we know we accept that for referees, they're going to make mistakes, but it's probably. You know, to keep the games at the level that they're at, the speed they're at, and the intensity, it's probably the best thing that's going to fit for the time being, in my opinion, without adding huge amounts of technology and personnel and slowing down games and and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's our necessity to get things right. Like I don't know, sometimes in the it's interesting. I came up today and I I was conscious that I really only caught the Sunday game because we had a performance ourselves yesterday on the beach as part of failing the Bealton and we were playing the Harlan match that I've been playing down there for the last year and a half. And I was doing it with my, my partner, who's more of a choreographer and a dancer. And she was like, "Okay, we need to get this and we need to get this organised and those moves need to be right." And I'm like, "Look, at we're going to sacrifice the perfection for." something that's live and it's real and it's raw and it's and, and it's good and it doesn't we don't need sometimes it's the seeking of perfection I think that like slows things down and makes it like it becomes like these we live and die on these one small decision and it's like it's, it's bigger than that and I, lo- I love the rawness of the game from that from that point of view and the fact that you know they, there, are, there are mistakes made but if we could just welcome the mistakes as well as the as the good things maybe we yeah wouldn't get so head up, head up about them I'm not sure um, that's the only that's the only you didn't, you didn't tell us whether you won your wrestling match or not is he uh, I, 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 I did, I did, Derek. I, I had a full-on wrestle as part of the performance. Myself and Timmy Creed, who who did the play, spliced a one-man show that he did about about his his time hurling with Bishopstown. Actually, an incredible play. Um, myself himself went into the middle of the into, into combat, and we'd we'd wrestle uh, Umra Skull in Irish. And wrestling is a is an actually when you see it when I. I I, I introduced this to a couple of the retreats I ran wrestling and somebody got on to me and said look at the lexicon of wrestling around the world there's like 10 or 12 Irish language words that have been butchered into other languages but this we have a real big tradition here uh, way way back of wrestling so we put that into the performance yesterday as well but it was a bit of a dance and a bit of a joke and then all of a sudden we were in shoulder to shoulder and it was no holds barred then it was like made a best man win and it was three, maybe 400 people on the beach uh, howling and hollering at two fellas wrestling on the beach but before the 400 people arrived I wrestled Timmy and he beat me hand he bent the shit out of me I was thinking oh god I'm going to be embarrassed here in front of everybody like just I'm just going to have my head squashed in the sand this is going to be terrible but I got lucky and we were one and one uh, so we'll have to yeah we'll have to go yeah, and fi- yeah, yeah we'll go and we'll see where the third bout's going to be so anyway look at I'd love to chat about that loads more Derek and thanks for asking as well I, I was yeah I didn't want to come on and be talking about the games at the weekend having not given all of my time to the games at the weekend because I just had this thing to do and it was a beautiful thing because those people playing hurling that you'd never see playing hurling those 10 year olds in the game those women in the game it was 
and it was and it was good and it was wild and it was something that's not on the GA. It's not important to the GA in some respects, but it is that community building outside of the GA community is also a good thing. So it's nice to chat about it as well. Thanks very much for coming on, lads. I appreciate your time. Thanks for th- thanks for tuning in and uh, and for bringing your experiences on the game. Kevin, it's lovely to chat to you um, and lovely to have you on and get and gain some of that wisdom that you've accumulated over the the fifteen years um, and a stellar career that you had with Waterford. And Derek, yeah, great to hear your your own unique your own unique voice again and uh, your read on things. So thanks for bringing it bring us up close and personal with Claire uh, that's all we have time for on the Hurling Show but join us next week we'll be going back we'll be going over next week's games Tipperary and Limerick uh, and looking forward then to how things are shaping up in Leinster Garmagov You're listening to the GAA Hour with Dermot Ling on Sports Joe Donald Donovan is the left corner back he hits it he hits it what? it's over the bar oh holy Moses what a match there's been a missing person in Clare for 81 long years. Well, today, that person has been found alive and well, and that person's name is Liam McCarthy. They know as much about serious level sport as I know about the sleeping habits of the Ayatollah. There's a, a streaker on the ground now. He must be a Kilkenny man because he's quite happy with the situation right now. 